Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Step number six on eight steps to a new you is a pure heart. If you want to truly see God, you have a, you have to have a pure heart. We've seen so far in this series on eight steps to a new you that steps one, two, and three are the I need God steps. Those are the blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are meek. That I need God. I've found that I've got nothing in myself. Everything's in him. Step four is the I want God step. Blessed are those uh, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And now the last one, blessed are the merciful. This one, blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, Then blessed are the peacemakers. Then blessed are the persecuted. Those are the I am like God steps. So steps one through three, I need God. Step four, I want God. Steps five through eight, I am like God. And that's where we're going. That's the steps to a new you. God's transformation uh, to make you the way that God wants you to be and to actually be like him. That you start to see yourself the way God sees you. You see others the way God sees them. And you see God the way he is. And the way to that is to be pure in heart that you have, you can see and will see God. And I don't mean see, you know, like you, you know, look out your window and see the flowers. No, it's it's spiritual eyesight. It's being able to know him, to have his mind, to have his heart, to um, hear his voice in your mind and in your spirit, that it's that true, intimate, vital relationship with God. It's seeing, it's knowing. Have you ever looked at one of those 3D books? You know, those color, those books would have all the kind of computer-generated, you know, smeared colors, and it looks like some kind of, you know, weird art. But when you kind of squint your eyes and cross your eyes real hard, that suddenly this real picture that's not clear to the surface comes into focus. I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than being that person who can't see the picture, that everybody sees it except for you. And they're all saying, well, can't you see it? Can't you see it? And you're feeling stupid because you can't see it, that no matter how hard you squint and cross your eyes, you just can't get it. It's like just a smear to you. And and they're saying this. It's right there. It's you know. It's, it's so clear. You go well. It's not clear to me. Not clear to me at all. So at some point, you know, I don't know. I've done it where you say just faking it. Oh yeah, there it is. When you really didn't see anything at all. You just wanted them to shut up. And then they say, Well, what'd you see? And you say, Oh, I saw the castle with the angel and the princess and the rose. And, no, that's not it. This one's the underwater city with the dolphins and the the mermaids. And like, oh, great, I'm busted that it's so frustrating to not be able to see until you can see that somehow you squint and hold the book at the right place and you can see it. And then what do you do? You frantically run around looking for somebody who can't see it. And then you get to say, well, it's right there. Can't you see it? I don't know what it is about us that that makes us feel good that somebody else doesn't get it. The point is that seeing opens up our world. Seeing is that rare human experience that it just opens up everything for us. And I'm not talking about seeing the world. I'm talking about seeing God. When you, when you say, I get it now. I get it. That makes sense. I understand. And for a long time, we look at the, 
the, the God and it's just fuzzy. We just can't get it. And other people are saying, well, it's right there. He's right there. And no matter how hard you try, you just can't get it until you get it. And it's like, wow, I never knew that was there. Well, today I'm going to teach you how to do that, how to see God, how to be that person that says, oh, now I understand. Now it makes sense. Matthew chapter five, step five on steps for a new you is blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Let's remember our words. Blessed means joy untouchable. Not blessed like here's a gift, you're blessed. No, it means the joy that nothing can touch. No matter what happens, you're still joyful. No matter how frustrating, how hard, how difficult life is, you're still joyful. No matter how corona messes up your head and it's frustrating to you, you can still be joyful. No matter, I'm in California, no matter how many fires are raging and the air quality is bad, that you can still have joy. Blessed are the pure. That word pure means unmixed with any other matter, like pure gold. It's got no dross. It's got no ores. It's got nothing else. It's absolutely pure. Singleness, unmixed with anything else. Blessed are the pure in heart, the scripture says. That's your your inner life. That's your character. That's really the real you. It's, It's the you in your mind. It's the secret you that nobody else knows but you. It's that inner truth of who you are. Blessed are the Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the, the real you when you're pure. Those are the ones that see God. And to see God means that you come to know, that you perceive the meaning of who God is. Now, why does Jesus place such importance on the heart? It's the pure in heart. Well, as I said, number one, the heart is the real you. There's the heart throbs, the heart aches, the broken hearts, the with all my heart, the bless your heart. It's, it's the whole you. The heart is the controls. The heart is the origin of desires. The heart is the affections, perceptions, thoughts, will, reasoning, purpose. The heart is always the emphasis of Jesus' teaching. It's always the heart. It's not about the symptoms. It's not necessarily about what you do. It's about the heart behind what you do. It's about why you did what you did. And that's why in Scripture, oftentimes it will say, well, you know, if you do this, like in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, that if you look at a, a woman lustfully, that the heart behind that was adultery. So you're really an adulterer. Or if you call somebody a fool, the heart behind that is, is hatred, and, and it's to destroy his, that person's reputation. The heart is murder. So it's always the heart. Why? What's the depth of what's going on? Not the head. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. The heart is the real you. It's the depth of the inner man. Number two, why it's so important is that the heart is the source of our behavior. As I mentioned, when Jesus said, if you look lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. It's what's inside. It's what you want. It's what you desire. It's, It's who you really are. We deal with symptoms a lot. Maybe a woman who uh, is is working at home and she gets depressed, so she rearranges the furniture and buys a new dress. Well, she's trying to rearrange the outward symptoms without truly dealing with the inner heart. Or maybe a husband has an affair, so he changes peer groups, gets a new job, buys a new car. Well, he's really dealing with the symptom. What's really going on is that he's lonely, or that he's you know captured by lust. You see, we'll deal with the symptoms a lot. And will not always go to the depths of what's really behind what's going on. 
Why does somebody lash out? Well, maybe because they felt rejected on the inside. There's pain in there. Why does somebody uh, uh, get addicted to, to substances or to pornography? Well, there's something inside that's yearning. There's a pain. There's a wound. There's a hurt. And we've got to deal with the inside. We'll not just deal with the symptoms. Like a refinery, the heart must sift all the input and produce something beautiful and pure. And so we've got to get to the heart of the matter of our life, matters of our life, so that we can really have a new you. Number three, the heart is untrustworthy. That's why Jesus teaches a lot about it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? Listen, Walt Disney is the champion. This is a pet peeve of mine that I've talked about for years. Every single Disney story, at least in the last 30 years, has said, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Can I just say this? Don't follow your heart. It's stupid. You can't trust your heart. Your heart doesn't know what it's doing. Your heart doesn't have a clue of what's right or what's wrong. If you just follow your heart, it needs to be led by something. There needs to be some some substance that your heart is, is planted on. We have to stop this. We're leading a generation into complete darkness by saying, follow your heart, because your heart doesn't know. Your heart's lost. Why follow it? Worse, Jeremiah said, your heart's just not lost. It's wicked and deceitful. You can't trust your heart. Being poor in spirit should teach us this. Why are you in, in the messed up situation you're in today? By following your heart, by following your desires, by following your wants, by following your, your, your attractions. Where'd that get you? So following your heart's not going to get you out of it. You can't trust, follow your heart. You, you got to follow God. You can't trust your heart. You have to trust God. So how do we do this? How do we become pure in heart? How do we get that pure heart? I want to give you seven steps. And these are all locked into the first five Beatitudes that we've talked about. But number one, you've got to be a person of prayer. Okay, yeah, that's always the first thing. Yeah, pray, pray, pray. That's what you always say. Listen, you cannot substitute anything in your life for prayer. Seeking God in prayer is the most crucial foundation stone you could ever have. Psalm 86.11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. That's the pure heart. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. That's prayer talk. Teach me your way, O God. I want to walk in your ways. Teach me. That's prayer. You learn that in prayer. An undivided heart is a heart that isn't going in two directions at the same time. You can't go walk two ways at the same time, but that's what we try to do. Oh, I want to follow God, but I want to follow what I want. You can't do it. It's a divided heart. An undivided heart comes from learning from God and walking in his truth. It's God's truth that matters. And you find that in prayer. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what some celebrity says, what some politician or sports figure, even what some preacher says. What matters is what God says. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Start every day in prayer. Start every day on your face before God and cry out to him and say, God, I want a pure heart, an undivided heart today. Number two, identify the things in your life that you know are not pure and remove them immediately and completely. This is the stuff you know about. Hebrews 12.1 says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sin's not hard to get tangled up in. It's easy to get tangled up in. 
It's really easy. And you got to throw off those things that keep you, that are easily uh, entanglements in your life. Sin is not hard to do. It's easy. That's why we have to guard the heart. It's hard to resist it, to resist the temptations, to resist the distractions. It's so easy to get lazy and fall into unhealthy habits. I talk to young people all the time. Well, you know, how did, how did you get pregnant before you were married, you know, to a 16-year-old couple or a 17-year-old couple? And their answer is, oh, I don't know. It was an accident. Seriously? You seriously thought that was an accident? No, it was a choice. But it's pretty easy to fall into those choices when we follow our hearts. It's easy to fall into sin, so you have to throw it off. Like, throw it. Like a baseball, like a spear. Like, you know, throw it. Get it and throw it as far away as you can. Get out of that stuff. I remember one time, way back, way like in the late 80s, my wife and I were first married, and I was really struggling with watching things on TV that weren't right. Now, this was way before, you know, Netflix and the internet, and man, today you can watch anything and everything in a flick of a button. Back then, it was a little harder. You just had network television, but still, I found, you know, lustful things to look at, and it was one of those old-style console TVs, you know, with the cabinet and the whole bit, and I knew I had to throw it off. I had to get rid of it, and I I loaded this big TV. My wife helped me carry it into the back of my pickup truck, and we drove around trying to find some dumpster somewhere. We finally found one at a church and threw it in there. And then I thought, wait a minute, somebody else is going to see this thing and they're going to probably salvage it and watch bad stuff too. So I found a big stone and I'd smash the screen of that. And this is like midnight driving around. You would not believe how loud an old tube TV sounds when it's smashed. It sounded like a cannon went off. Oh my gosh, we got jumped in our car so fast and drove out of there. But you know, the mind was, the, maybe the the, the the philosophy was a little bit messed up, but the action was pure. I didn't want to lust anymore, and I wanted to throw it away. That's what you've got to do. Whatever it takes, throw it away. Number three, saturate your mind with the things that you, that you know are pure. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. Let's read those back to back. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. It's not good enough just to throw things away. You have to saturate your mind on what is good and pure. Back in the 80s, there was the Just Say No campaign by the Reagans. You know, don't do drugs, just say no. Well, it's okay, but they never said what to say yes to. So you've got to have something to say yes to, and that's saying yes to things that are pure. Yes to things that are Jesus. Yes to things that are godly. You've got to know what to say yes to. If you don't see anything else, focus on the word. It's truth. Number four, ask God to reveal impure things in your heart that you don't even know about. Okay, number two dealt with get rid of the things you do know, but there may be roots of things in your life that you don't even know are there. Psalm 139, 23, 24 says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Every day in prayer, David was praying, God, not only do I not want to do the things that I know I shouldn't do, but there's things inside of me that I don't even know are there. 
attitudes and behaviors and philosophies and mindsets. God, take those things away. Purify me so I can have an undivided heart. I want to see you, and I know I need a pure heart. Help me to see the things that I don't even know are there. Number five, then guard your heart from any compromises. When you've focused in prayer, you're throwing off the sin, you're focusing on Jesus, guard your heart now so that stuff won't come back. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. You got to guard it. You got to treat it with just caution. Treat it like it's a precious, precious, you know, uh, china dish that you can't drop it or nick it or scrape it at all. It's got to be kept, you know, perfectly uh, unscathed in, in, in its beauty. So you've got to guard to keep the intruders out. Guard to keep things from coming in and and polluting your life. Guard to make sure that no thought comes in and no temptation comes in. Guarded in every way. You've got to fight. It's a fight. It really is. That's why I call it spiritual warfare. It's a battle. So recognize those enemies and fight against them. Keep them out. Number six, thank God for the hard times of life is the purifying work of God. Hebrews 12, 7 and 10 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. God disciplines us for our good that you may share, that we may share in his holiness. That the process of refining is hard and it hurts. Jesus talked about pruning in John chapter 15. It doesn't feel good when God is stripping away and you're guarding your heart and you're focusing on him and the internal turmoil is there and it's such a battle, your flesh with the spirit. So in those moments, thank him. Thank him for those difficult times because it's God who's doing the the, the purifying work. The most miserable person in the world is an unfocused person with a divided heart. That, that Christian who's walking in the middle of the road, who's just lukewarm, they have too much God to enjoy the world and too much world to enjoy God. They're miserable. God said in, in Revelation 3, I wish you'd just go all the way and be sinful. At least then you're not pretending. Rather, of course, that you be completely godly and be pure in heart. Then you can see God. Don't quit too soon. It's going to get tough. It will. But know that with the Lord and his strength, he will be with you. And number seven, open your eyes to see God. What does that mean? Acts chapter 26, 17 to 18 says, I'm sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. That's a simply a statement that, is every, that says every day, Jesus, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. And then you start to look. You start to see him in nature. You start to see him in other people. You start to see him in goodness and kindness. You start to see him even in hard times because he's opening your eyes as you uh, follow these seven steps. Let me review them for you You know, real quick. As you pray each day and ask him to teach you and create in you a clean heart, as you identify the things that you need to throw off because they're easily things that will entangle you, as you saturate your mind with the things that you know are pure and you fix your eyes on Jesus, as you ask God to reveal things in you that you don't even know are there, create in you that clean heart and, and see, search me, O oh God, see if there's any wicked way. As you guard your heart and, and block off any compromises, it's like setting up a, a, you know, a, an armed guard with machine guns and they're standing in front of you and they're not going to let anything evil penetrate your heart. Thank him for the hard times. Thank him for the purifying work and open your eyes to see him.
Let me restate this verse for us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It could be read this way. Oh, the joy of those whose character is not mixed with anything else but what God is for, for what, but, but what God is for. They will then come to know God and understand his true purpose. That's powerful, and that's true. Let's do this, folks. Let's do this. We can see God when we're pure in heart. I hope you'll jump in and you'll tackle these seven steps. And when you do, you'll truly see God the way he is, and your heart and your mind will be enlightened, and you'll be on your way to a new you. Love you all. Take care. Talk to you next time. This is Pastor Greg signing out. This is Life 66. Have a good one.